You just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career. Learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with draft to digital Hey, welcome to draft to digitals D2D Spotlight, and today we're talking with Carla King. Uh, now, among other things... She is, uh, she's an author. She's a travel writer. She is uh, the founder of Self-Publishing Bootcamp. Uh, and also you put together, uh, well, and you also organized the uh, San Francisco Writers Conference, uh, which I appreciate because I've, I've gotten a chance to speak at that a few times now. But you've also put something together that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, and it's the virtual, you, you tell us, before I butcher it, you tell us what it is. <laughs> it's the virtual travel writing group, Kevin. You should be in it. Virtual virtual travel writing group. I should be in it. I think yeah. you reached out to me to be in it. And then I got sidetracked with uh, with other stuff. This kind of That's, stuff. Oh, you know, this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun talking to people. You remind me afterward and uh, and I will uh, I will make sure that I get into that uh, so that we can. Is it on? Do you have like a link to that on your website? I do. It's uh, I'll I'll put it up on the screen later, but uh, it's carlaking.com slash travel writing group. I'll so, send everybody uh, to carlaking.com yeah. at least, uh, yeah. and then that way they can. You guys uh, feel free to uh, pop on over there slash travel writing group and uh, make sure you register. So, um, so tell us. Okay, you, you're one of those that has a ton of stuff t- to talk about, so I hardly know where to start. Why don't we start with you? Tell me a little about you and uh, how you came to be a self-publisher. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was a travel writer, and uh, I took a trip around the United States doing the other thing that I love to do is motorcycling. I'm a motorcycle mechanic, so I was test riding a Russian Ural sidecar motorcycle for the American market and basically broke down in small towns all over the USA Uh testing this bike and writing a blog about it. And this was in 1995. And so it wasn't called a blog yet, right? I mean, it's like we did FTP and HTML and all of that. I was working uh, for O'Reilly and Associates up in Sebastopol, who pioneered this art of the uh, real-time online travelogue and blogging. And then later I wrote a book. I took that collection of blog posts and I wrote a book and I'll put it up here called American Borders, and you can see that crazy motorcycle. <laughs> Isn't it nuts? Yeah, like a, it has a sidecar and everything. Uh, it has a sidecar and everything. I'm, oh, I'm going to put you back full screen because I because you can't see the book. Oh, there, there you go. Yeah. You're smarter than the screen is. Uh, that's very cool. Do you still have that bike, by the way? Uh, no, but I have one like it. This was a prototype <laughs> motorcycle. It was not terribly reliable, and I finally I sold it to an uh, electrician who uh, put it out to pasture in the mountains of uh, Southern California. And he taught his two girls, his two pre-teenage girls to ride motorcycles on that bike. But nobody but an electrician could deal with that motorcycle after I got done with it. I replaced four alternators. um, One of the the engines, uh, it's a boxer twin engine and one side of the engine just blew. So I completely replaced that uh, while I was on the road. It makes for some exciting reading. Yeah. <laughs> and right now I'm working on uh, the second book in the series about my trips around China on the Chinese cousin of the Ural motorcycle. And that's called the China Road Motorcycle Diaries. 
And that's in editing right now. And I hope to have that out finally uh, this year. Because I did the same thing. I broke down in small towns all around northern China, spent four months. It was crazy. It was insane. Yeah. And, and blogged. And by then, it was called a blog, I think, in 1998. And then I did it again Give in 2000. It, uh, 10 more years, and it'll be called something else entirely. <laughs> I know I always tell people I was I was blogging before the term blogging existed. (laughs) I know. And now I hardly blog at all. So yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. You talk a lot. I know that I do talk a lot. Podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. We we all caught the implication of what you were trying to say there. (laughs) We got it. Uh so (laughs) okay. I know that a lot of the writers that we uh, talk to are going to be interested in this idea of travel writing. Now, right now, travel writing, probably not such a lucrative field unless you're, uh, you know, sneaking out and uh, writing sort of clandestine reports about, about places. But how, how did you, you know, maybe it wouldn't work now the way you got involved in travel writing, but how are some ways that authors could actually get involved with that sort of thing? Well, right now, all the travel writers that I know are stuck somewhere and a couple in Uganda that I know who are writing and and also doing videos. Uh, I mean, they're everywhere. And I got this idea for the travel writing group because the professional travel writers who don't who have a platform are not now writing about uh, memoirs and they're writing for the us and people who have never been to a place and who may now never get to a place, right? It's almost like, I felt like, wow, we need to hunker down and record what life is like in uh, Casablanca and uh, in in Baja and in in all of these places that may permanently be changed by uh, this thing that's going on. And also, to just tell us what's happening, uh, wh- how this COVID is affecting travel and places. And it, it's been amazing, all of the COVID related travel pieces that have come out. Um, there's a huge travel channel on Medium, for instance, um, that deals with COVID and travel and being stuck and, you know, what you can do and what you can plan for and looking forward to traveling after this. And I don't know, it's just, it's just really nice to be able to just sit and think about what you've done and really bring, bring the world to people who've never seen the part of the world that you've, you've seen. Yeah. Now it's like you're getting an opportunity to stop and reflect on all that travel. There's a lot of memoir going on. Um, yeah. and in the travel writing group, there are a lot of very, very accomplished and well-published, widely published travel writers, as well as people who have traveled who want to break into travel writing. And, you know, there's always a market for memoir, I think. Right. Yeah. Don't you agree? I mean, because we all it see depends a on who you, ask. you get told all the time by the traditional world, there's no market for memoir. Well, Kevin, you and I know that the traditional publishing world isn't the be all end all of the publishing (laughs) world. You were just trying to goad me into saying that, weren't you? (laughs) I'm a little sneaky. Uh, Yeah, yeah, no, it's true though. Uh, And what's interesting is that we, we have this, you know, we have the tools now to make these memoirs available uh, to discover and, you know, or for an audience to discover that might never have, they might never have heard of us and they might not care about us personally, but you know, the topic is what's going to attract people. So you got a lot of wealth of content out there. 
Exactly. And you only need metadata to market that stuff. So if you say Morocco yeah. and Casablanca and your metadata and beach yeah. and Essawaria and kite surfing, hey, you've got a mark. That's a huge marketing yeah. tool. So you used, you used the dirty word, which is marketing. Uh, <laughs> so how do you handle uh, marketing for your stuff? Uh, I do a lot of niche marketing. Uh, I also do, you know, like you, use metadata, smart use of keywords yeah. and categories, uh, yeah. blog posts with uh, the correct metadata. I, you know, it's a little different for me. I broke into travel writing with the motorcycle world in 1995. And so right. I had, I have the oldest blog on travel on the internet right now. Oh, oh really? I do. Yeah. The, um, well, it's now rolled into CarlaKing.com because I first I got AmericanBorders.com and then I got ChinaRoad.com and then I got IndianSunset.com and I got uh, AroundTheAdriatic.com and from the Atlas to the uh, the Alps to the Atlas.com. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm gonna just have to get CarlaKing.com and put all that, you know, inside because yeah. your your name is your biggest brand, right? Yeah. Um, so it's all rolled into CarlaKing.com now. That's the way to go. I, mm -hmm. I remember in the early 90s uh, buying up all these different domain names because uh, my thought at the time was, you know, I'll write about this topic and this topic and this topic and then keep them all nice and organized and separate and, you know, never quite realizing what I was getting myself into. <laughs> I think we all had that idea at the same time. And you have a great website. I'm always... Um... I'm always pointing people to kevintumlinson.com and saying, do what he does. <laughs> do that. <laughs> you're, you're the one responsible for the traffic I get then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Don't you ever forget it. <laughs> so now you, uh, I want to talk, there's several things that we, we're going to cover, uh, but I want to talk about your self-publishing boot camp. Um, what's, what's the origin of that and how, how's that? working well that that all started with travel writing as well um i try i wrote a book about my mountain biking trips in the south of france when i lived there uh 1993-94 and i couldn't get a publisher for it although everybody said this is a great book but it needs to be a bigger book than just the nice and the alps maritimes area uh, so do that. And I said, I'm not going to do that. So I just self-published it. There was only one way to self-publish then. There were all the tools like draft to digital and everybody else who jumped in in uh, 2008 and beyond. Um, so I, I just self-published it. And uh, now my friends in San Francisco who were travel writers uh, kind of looked down their nose at me for a long time. And then there was the big era of the big publishing houses, lowballing their authors. So authors who I knew who were getting uh, 80 to 150K and more for their books were now getting offers of 15K to 50K. And you cannot make a living off of that kind of uh, an advance. And so suddenly they were all clamoring to say, oh, Carla, how, how did you self-publish? Because they knew they had an audience and they didn't quite know how to gather their audience and create a mailing list and you actually do the things that you need to do to self-publish. So I started giving self-pub boot camp uh, classes. And now it has just evolved and evolved. And I love teaching and I love tech tools. I I'm a technical writer uh, by trade. I don't do that anymore. Uh, but I, I'm just a, a geek and a mechanic. And I just love how these tools work. And I want to pass on the best of the best of these tools to authors and just put it uh, in their own hands 
in their own hands. Um, so yeah, thanks for putting that screen up. I run Destination Published, which is sort of a hand-holding service for individual authors and groups. And yeah. uh, I offer this consumer's guide for self-publishers with all of the uh, tools and services that I love for, that, for authors self-publishing or not that you can get free at uh, destinationpublish.com and selfpubbootcamp.com. That was my clumsy way of making a transition. It didn't do it as smoothly as I had hoped. You got thought, it. Well, it'll key it up. It'll prime it. And then all I got to do is hit it and then uh, we'll go in. But th <laughs> that's that's our segue. We'll just jump right to it. So, yeah, this is this uh, tied in with your uh, self-publishing bootcamp at all? Or is this a separate entity? Yes. Um, if you go to selfpubbootcamp.com, this is what appears now. Um, I was working more with travel writers. So, it's funny how brands evolve, right? Um, yeah. So my self-pub bootcamp courses are online, self-paced online courses. And I pop in every once in a while to uh, try to gather the herd and answer questions and also improve the course. Yeah. Um, I have courses on, um, you know, uh, the self-publishing freedom course, which talks tells you how to do all that competitive analysis and market research that you need to do oh, to wow. make sure that you actually have readership and you know where you belong. Do you belong? Maybe I should this course. I yeah, I think you should. Yeah, I think you could teach the course, Kevin. I don't know about that, but I'm always looking to learn more about that stuff. So. Well, you know, it's all about using um, Amazon advanced search to research yeah. your, you know, your competitors or your compadres. I always like to think of them as com compadres, as partners, really, because, as you know, if you make friends with other writers in your genre, right? So I'm friends yeah. with many travel writers and we can co-market. And you're friends with many thriller writers and you can co-market. Right and create anthologies and, uh, you know, just pump each other up. And it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing way to market your books and it's so much more fun. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've never been, a uh, I've never latched onto the whole competitor thing. Like mm -hmm. no matter what, what business I was in, I don't see any of D to D's quote competitors as competitors. We're just all serving a different part of you know different segment of that same market you know i've always seen it like that but with authors i i never got the competitor thing you know it's not like if someone buys your book they're not going to buy my book like that's not the way readers work exactly <laughs> so yeah okay so uh that's very cool so people can and i didn't put the url up there uh necessarily i can pop it back up but I think it's, I uh, I'll put it in the chat. It's www.selfpubbootcamp.com. Yes, uh, do that, and I will happily uh, share that on screen for everybody to see. It's also, you know, destinationpublished.com. So you find one-stop shop. And if you go to carlaking.com, there's a button for self-publishers as well. So I linked them all up. No worries. Yeah, you made it easy on us. I, I love things that are easy. That's So I'm going to share this. There we go. All right. There we go. Selfpublicbootcamp.com. See how easy that is? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Now the next, the next topic um, is one that is, I believe this actually may be where you and I met. Didn't we meet at the uh, San Francisco Writers Conference? Or did I we believe... meet before that? 
I, I think we did meet at the San Francisco Writers Conference. Uh, were you there for draft to digital or just for yeah. yourself? Um, yeah. You know, that's tough because I've been there for both. So yeah. I think I was I think the I think the first year that I came with draft to digital, you and I met. And I think then you're right. It was just fireworks from there. It was. <laughs> it was. And really, I love talking with you. I mean, the first time, let's see, we, I was on your podcast and oh my gosh, we talked about uh, travel and being on the road yeah. and self-publishing. We talked a lot about uh, uh, beta books, you know, yes. beta publishing, yeah. uh, all kinds of things. Well, we go, uh, we we range far afield on the Wordslinger podcast. Yeah, yes, we do. <laughs> we kind of anytime I'm on screen or on a microphone, I'm going to range far afield. Uh, it's hard to hard to keep me sewn in. So, how did you become involved with uh, San Francisco Writers Conference? Well, you know, uh, I was there the second year teaching writers how to write for the web. <laughs> Remember that okay. when the internet came about. I think and I remember this. Yeah. Writers were just like, what is this thing? And now we write for newspapers. We write for all these publications, magazines and books. But how do you write for the web? So um, I was t teaching um, not yet how to build an author website, though I did. I did teach that later. But just yeah. how to write for the web, like, you know, 300 word chunks with headlines and all the protocols that websites wanted, web properties wanted in those days, and just trying to demystify the internet for authors. And I kept teaching uh, websites, I kept teaching um, when the self-publishing tools like draft to digital came along, I, I, I was helping people figure out how to use them, right? And which ones were good, because there's a lot of bad players out there, right? right? Vanity presses who will take 5,000, 15,000 and more um, yeah. to, uh, to help you publish your book, right? And uh, there's a lot of free platforms as well. So I, I always try to help authors understand what they're getting and what they're giving up um, yeah. and to help them, to help them figure out the right way to do it professionally as well, because a lot of people just wrote something and put it up on the web and they didn't mm -hmm. have a good cover. They didn't have editing. Uh, so the whole process and eventually uh, the San Francisco Writers Conference being tied to Multimedia Gulch, being tied to the greater Sa uh, San Francisco Bay Area and Silicon Valley, you know, a lot of the tech tools are centered there. A lot of the, um, uh, uh, companies who helped us were there. And so it was just natural to fold a technology and independent publishing track into the San Francisco Writers Conference, correct? Right. Um, if you notice on the header for the San Francisco Writers Conference, it says craft, commerce, and community. And it's one of the few writers conferences that teach commerce and marketing and not just craft, right? and teach community and it's a big conference. And we've had many people who go to conferences say, and many of our sponsors say that it's the best conference in the United States. It may be a little bit biased, but 
Um, I've heard that over and over and over again. It's an amazing writers conference. And if you have to go to one, uh, so many people say that's the one to go to uh, yeah. because of the commerce and the community aspect of it. Yeah, it's uh, it certainly attracts a lot of talent. I've noticed that. Like the, mm -hmm. uh, this past uh, conference, Jonathan Mayberry, who also has been on the Wordslinger podcast, yeah. came, came and uh, did the keynote and everything. We had editors and publishers and a group. And I'm noticing, I don't know if you're if you're seeing this as well. You can you can let me know if this is actually happening. But it seemed to me like there was a growing self-publishing presence. And in years past, it's been very heavy toward traditional. Well, the San Francisco Writers Conference has always had the agent speed dating, right? And the editor speed dating, uh, which has attracted many, many authors. And more and more often, those ed agents and those editors are saying to authors, you know, self-publish a book or a couple of books and, you know, go that really? route, right? Uh, I, I, and it, it was about, I think, five years ago, perhaps, that agents really started embracing self-publishing and saying, okay, there's a place for this. Be a hybrid author. You know, yeah. there's a place for maybe a three book series for thriller or romance or nonfiction. The San Francisco Writers Conference is also one of the few conferences that has have a, a nonfiction track. Mm -hmm. And um, and then write supporting uh, books and smaller books, maybe prequels uh, to promote the books that you know, are agented and agents are now working really hard with authors to promote books with self-published materials. Dude, that's really good to hear because all you ever hear on our side is, you know, a, is supposedly agents are telling people don't self-publish because that's going to nix your chance of, your, of ever having a contract. Go down that road and you're not going any further. That's what well, we that's, that's what they say when, when an author says, okay, so there's a particular kind of book. And I'm not someone who's attracted to, you know, traditional self-publishing because yeah. I've made a lot of money from my, uh, from American Borders and my self-help right. boot camp uh, guide for authors. And uh, I know that I can make more money on my own than I would with a traditional publisher. But if, for example, you're writing historical fiction, this is, this is from an author that I was helping. She writes historical fiction and uh, the agent wants a three book series. So the agent is telling her, now if you've already self-published that first book, you're screwed. No agent will touch that series because they yeah. want the series. But so she wrote a three book series and then she wrote a prequel to promote the book. And she gives that away free. And, you know, she does, uh, she, she uses the tools to help. Yeah to help that series along. So that's called a hi hybrid publishing. And it's really the way that the industry is, is moving. I feel that way too. Mm. I, I, feel, I feel like the, the trend has been towards some, some form of hybrid publishing. And unfortunately the term hybrid publishing has gotten a little bit of a bad rap, but I think there, there's something there. Like there is that definite, you know, sort of synergistic uh, I hate to use that term too because that's all marketing sounding but there is something there we're just gonna have to invent a whole new term for it <laughs> I don't know what it is I mean there's a hybrid author which is the author who self-publishes some work and uh, and traditionally publishes others uh, the romance author Bella Andre about mm -hmm. some years ago 
was a she had a groundbreaking contract with Harlequin. She's a very, very prolific and and best-selling author. And she sold print rights to Harlequin and kept her digital rights, right? And so that right. that kind of deal really paved the way for other authors to um, get get into print and real distribution, right? And one of our keynotes uh, of the San Francisco Writers Conference this year is Brooke Warner, and she's like the queen of you know hybrid publishing and, and distribution, demystifying distribution. It's right. so easy to distribute eBooks, right? But for a self-published author, it's very hard to get real bookstore distribution right. by self-publishing. Um, you need other methods. And uh, Brooks' uh, company, She Writes Press, who publishes women's uh, fiction, yep. uh, helps helps you get into those channels. You can also get into those channels directly with Ingram if you're a professional writer and you show that you're. Uh, you really have a, a big market. Yeah. Yeah. I've had Brooke on the show too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and I oh, think I didn't you know that. That's awesome. Yeah. You yeah. may have been the one who introduced us. I think uh, I so. I want to uh, prompt everybody right now. If you're, uh, if you're listening, no matter where you are, YouTube, Facebook, or otherwise, go ahead and ask us any questions you want. Cause coming up in about five minutes, that's what we're going to do. We're going to shift focus to you and what you want to know. We, I already see a couple of questions come through. So you got some people who are big fans of yours, uh, Carla. You got uh, awesome. Jana Lopez here says, says hi, Carla. Jana. I, well, she just came out. Face. She worked hard on her book um, and she did it right. So congratulations, Jana. Yeah, look her up on no. Amazon. Jana Lopez, a great nonfiction book, inspirational Excellent. Oh, I can't wait. I'll check it out. Yeah. Everyone go right now. Check out <laughs> You better own that, Jana. You better. <laughs> you better have that. I'm checking that now. Yes, there she is. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now you said she did everything right. What What is everything and what she do right? Well, you know. You don't have to talk about her specifically. I don't want to put her on the spot, but. Well, I mean, just go to Jenna Lopez and look at her website. She did a really okay. good job on her website. And, um, you know, she's very focused. She knows her audience. We worked hard on uh, doing that competitive analysis and looking at books like hers, right? Uh, looking at books uh, that making sure that she had a market and that the cover looked like a book that her audience wanted to read. Now, this is the thing, right? Because I have so many authors come to me and they have a cover already done. I'm like, okay, let's go look at Amazon advanced search at the authors like you. And their cover looks really different. And they're like, yeah, my cover is yeah. going to stand out. I'm like, no, I'm going to look at that as an author. And I'm going to say, oh no, that doesn't look like a book that I, I read. Right. right? right. That's not the kind right. of book that I read. And they haven't even seen the title. Right. So right. all of that is so, so important. And she, you know, she slowed down and, and uh, took her time, right? Uh, and like many authors, you have an idea and you wanna get it out there in three months, right? Cause self-publishing is so easy. It's like I have authors yeah. coming to me in April and they want a book out by October for the holiday market. I'm like, wait a minute, let's just slow down a little bit. Send them, send them to me, a little book called 30 Day Author. We'll get it going. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, 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 let's do talk it right. about that though. No, let's talk about that. So okay. what so what can you do in 30 days? 
you can write a book in 30 days. Yes. That doesn't necessarily mean it's ready to go to print, right? I mean, exactly. you want to make sure that you edit and you get a do do your market research. I, I mean, I like your approach. Do the market research first. Find out whether somebody's going to buy the type of book. You, you don't have to write to market uh, in the sense that you have to make it just like every other book. You write to market uh, because you know the audience. You know what they're looking for. So you, if you do the research, you find everything you need to know in order to make that book ready for that audience. Am I on point? I think you are, yes, because you can definitely <laughs> write a book. Sometimes a book just comes out of you, right? Mm -hmm. And hopefully by then you've already been on social media and right. you're hanging out with the kind of people who want to read your book. Because right. if you're marketing after your book, it's going to be, it's not going to be any fun at all. And it's, it's, it's going to be so much work. But if you already know these people and are hanging out with them, like right. I had a natural audience for my motorcycle travel books, right? Because right. It was very niche. And a lot of times it's great to, to, to stay niche and then try to, you know, move out into the general audience from there. Right. Which is what I'm trying to do with my China Road Motorcycle Diaries. Right. right. I probably won't have a cover with a big, scary, biker motorcycle on it right right because this scares this this attracts the motorcycle audience and when i go to motorcycle conferences i make thousands of dollars at my yeah. booth yeah uh, but but i don't get the general market right the general uh markets like the eat pray love market and the wild market and it's a memoir it's a it's like that it's a it's well have you ever have you ever considered retooling the cover it, yes you should keep the motorcycle cover do a second edition with a new cover are you doing it and releasing china road and american borders together re-releasing -re it with different covers with yes co coordinated coordinated covers yeah exactly i knew you were brilliant i i, I, I didn't even have, i didn't even question it. i knew i you wonder were... where i got that idea <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Did we ever talk about we I I'm sure we did talk. I know I remember us talking about your your cover on Wordslinger. I like yeah. your cover. But then it's I'm a, a guy who likes motorcycles. For yeah. that market, but it doesn't attract somebody who who you likes could never do that in the traditional world. No. Because the publisher would have to pay for all that, right? But the, the indie publishers, self-publishers get the advantage of being able to do things like have the same book with two different covers to appeal to two different markets. Exactly. And so also, you don't need a new ISBN with a new cover. You do with mm -hmm. a new title. And I will retitle this book. Um, so it will need a new ISBN. But if I just change the cover, that's right. fine. No new yeah. ISBN. And it's really important, let me just say that, when you're self-publishing, to buy your own ISBNs, right? Yeah? Why do you I, think that? I think that because, well, okay, so if you publish with draft to digital and then it it's a great platform and you have one of your ISBNs, it's amazing. Yeah. But then you're like, oh, I, you know, I want to like move it. I, I think you could, should be able to move it wherever you want. And if somebody buys a... Uh, uh, somebody uses a free ISBN from Amazon, right? And then they want uh, draft a digital distribution. Well, they have to get another ISBN for the same book. I think so then you've got a book with two different ISBNs for the same book. Yeah, 
But I, I believe, though, you could – well, I don't know. I'm not going to speak to that because I, I know that we have – there's certain things like you can't bring in an ISBN that's been used elsewhere to us, so I assume that it works the same way going out. But that would be the same. Uh, I guess if you own the ISBN, yeah, you can do what you want. But you just, just move it around at wherever you want. I do know that people – sort of reuse the same ISBN all the time anyway. <laughs> I know. There's no ISBN police. There, yeah. there are. So it's a kind of antiquated sort of system anyway. I think it's great for print books, but it's completely unnecessary for digital books. It's mm. everyone's got their own code. Some people require it. Apple requires it. You know, others require you to have it. But so that's why we we offer it. But yeah. So and it's a great service. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It so is. we're not going to, we won't debate it or anything. You and I come at different, from different directions on the ISBN thing, but that's okay. That's yeah. why, that's why it's a big, broad, beautiful world we can explore and write about. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, it's a difference between being an author, writing a book and publishing a book as part of your life and, you know, and being a professional author with a whole business that you're yeah. based, basing around your maybe author career, speaking career, uh, yeah. So I would say that that's a differentiation is most authors who come to me are coming to me because they want to, they want to add a book to their, um, yeah. to their business or their career, or they want to make money and make a living uh, of being a writer. Yeah, that's true. And then you're talking about ISBNs, DBAs, fictitious business names, identification numbers, you know, <laughs> right. All of that kind of thing, the doing business as an author part. And that's one of the courses that I offer with self-pub uh, boot camp courses. So we're we're in the last uh, 15 minutes or so of the uh, broadcast. So we're going to jump in and get some user questions or some viewer questions rather going. You may be a user too. I don't know your life habits. Um, but we got Richard here asking, have you learned anything about a, quote, reader persona or typical demographics for travel books? More specifically, humorous adventure travel books such as Hitchhiking Around the World. Um, well, I well, yes. I mean, um, you have to research and and figure out if you're you're. I'm looking at my bookshelf at, at Bill Bryson, right? Bill Bryson is a oh, very look, funny, very <laughs> funny travel writer. I I read one of his books in a plane one time, and I laughed the whole time so much that everybody around me were like, "What are you reading?" <laughs> <laughs> so are you going after the Bill Bryson? Are you going after, you know, who, who's, there are so many different kinds of travel writing. Um, yeah. So you really have to dig deep and, and make friends with those authors who are reaching the kind of readers that you want to read and make friends with them. And blogging is the reader post persona or the uh, customer avatar it, those two terms are ju just mean know who your reader is and write to them. Yeah. Like know for, your example, reader. for an American borders, I thought I was writing to women my age, right. A, who wanted to travel around the world. Well, it turned out that I was writing to uh, men who like motorcycles who are over 50 years old. That, <laughs> that, that's my audience for, you know, yeah. currently. And I want to, I love them. And, um, but I want, to get into the women's market. There are more women. I'm writing actually to women. I, I think that I speak a lot to women in that book about 
freedom and uh, self-sufficiency mm -hmm. and, uh, and and men off are often very surprised. They make comments and say, wow, I never knew women thought that way because I have a lot of thoughts. You know, it's a travel book. I have a lot of helmet time. And yeah. they're like, wow, you're really, you're really uh, enlightening me about a women's perspective. Uh, so that's really nice, but yeah, I want those so, readers. So my reader persona are the people who are writing for uh, who are reading uh, Cheryl Strayed's books and yeah, yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert's books, <laughs> right? right? And you know, you you're, you present an interesting uh, dynamic because your cover is attracting a different audience. I I, I love finding that out because it, it means that. You know, this idea of tailor, you know, that's a different aspect of considering your reader. You know, everyone thinks about consider your reader with the voice of the book, with the way the book's written. A lot of people don't think about the rest of it, the marketing, the the book cover, the website, all that stuff needs to be aimed at that same reader. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we have, it's not a question, but we have, or not necessarily a question, but I feel like we could talk about this a bit. Uh, so great information here. Thank you. Uh, still deciding about self-publishing versus hybrid. The distribution is is the issue as well as money. Uh, now I could talk about the distribution side of this and I, I'm happy to. Do you want to chunk anything in here before well, I say why something? Don't, why don't you go first? Because yeah, go ahead. All right. So of course, draft to digital will help distribute your books for free. Uh, we take a, a minor little 15% cut off of the royalty when you distribute and sell through us. So you can check us out at drafttodigital.com. I'll even pop a uh, uh, URL up here real quick. Let's see, where do we go? <laughs> I hate when I do that. Like I had everything all queued up and then I lost it. Well, that, that's done. drafttodigital.com. Uh, and you yeah. know, here's the Linda, one for the blog. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> well, and Linda Joy, I know you know has been traditionally published and uh, thinking about self-publishing, and um, you know she, she writes memoirs and novels, and a great writer and um, a teacher. And when she, you know, so so. The question here really is like, how do you self-publish and get get your book into the print, into the bookstores? Now, Draft to Digital has a POD option as well coming up. Is that yeah. still in beta? Can you tell it's me still, about that? It's still in beta, but we just did a complete uh, retooling of our the way the site works and the way that process works, so that we can make it easier to get out of beta and go live. We learned a lot from the beta. We applied it, uh, and mm -hmm. now we're finishing the beta so that we can take it live cool. soon. Cool. Yeah. And so um, are you going to be able to discount the books in different ways? Uh, there are some, some tools for like price changes and, and things like that right on the site. So you'll, you'll be able to do that. I don't think at this time, I don't think we have a way for you to just sort of set up a, like, Oh, we can do like a timed promotion kind of thing. That's say, nice. you know, yeah, so that, that you can do that, but I think uh, as far as like, you know, setting up like a coupon code or something like that, we don't have anything like that. Mm -hmm. So, well, I know this is uh, I think a lot of people uh, they don't realize that when you want to attract bookstores, that you need to discount your book by fifty five percent and offer returns. And returns is a terrible way, <laughs> a terrible thing about. Oh, I see what you're asking there. Yeah, and so yeah, to there's. Sell 
uh, most books are going to be sold via the online retailers, not Amazon right. at this moment, but uh, book um, uh, Indie Bound and book. Uh, oh, what is that new one? Um, book sh bookshop. Bookshop. No. Is that it? Yes, bookshop. bookshop. Yeah. Are the independent yeah. uh, the bookstores because Amazon isn't uh, concentrating on books right now. Um, so all you need is a 30% discount to sell to the online right. retailers through the online retailers. And you're going to make a lot more money too. So what I see authors doing is because they want their book in bookstores, they're setting that 55% discount and implementing the returns program, which means that if the bookstore wants to, they can return the book. Well, unless right. they are actually marketing to bookstores and marketing to people who shop at bookstores, which is kind of futile right now, um, right. they're losing a lot of money and they're risking, you know, having their books come back damaged and read through and mauled, you know. Right. Um, right. So right now, especially, I would release, if I'm going to release a book right now, I would release it with 30% and um, discount to the independent, uh, to the online retailers like you guys yeah. do. You distribute to Amazon, where else? Um, Kobo, uh, Barnes and Noble, Apple Books. What are the know, five big ones? All yeah. the major players. Right. Yeah. And, and a whole lot of smaller ones too. Lots yeah. of smaller yeah. ones. Places that are tough to reach on your own. So um, <laughs> make it a little easier. You don't want to be. I tried all these. Yeah. Yeah. Individually. That's really how I discovered draft digital in the first place is I'm, I'm super lazy and I just wanted something better. There are certain alternatives out there. I tried first and, and, and pulled myself out of that era and into the modern era and, uh, <laughs> and never looked back. All right. We want to get to a couple more of these questions before we run out of time. So guy says, uh, I, I will have an ebook print and audiobook of my first self-published book and memoir. And we'll do it in French, English, and English editions. Okay. Uh, should it be the same distributor distribution aggregator? That's not necessarily aimed directly at you, but you can contribute. What, what do you think? Well, yeah. I, I mean, you guys have a relationship with the audio. It doesn't always have to be about draft digital, by the way. I I, I appreciate your love. <laughs> well, if you, you want to talk about other other uh, just aggregators and distributors, we're a okay with that. You well, we'll keep it, we'll keep it simple because find a way <laughs> has a relationship with others as yeah. well. Um, but I don't know about the French. Uh, so you could do it uh, with the same distribution company. He's yeah. talking a distribution aggregator. An aggregator is we Which just call them the same. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the French editions. I don't know how to answer that. Uh, I, I guess you I think you could there's certainly no reason why you couldn't use uh, those the same aggregator. Um, you know, Draft Digital hits all those markets, we can get you to the French market for example, Canadian market. Uh, and but I think most aggregators will do that. I think Smashwords does that too. Uh, so yeah, you could have all those they would just be separate editions. They're not going to be the same edition of the book. So you need a new ISBN for that edition. So yeah. you need a, you need uh, six ISBNs. Yeah. You need an ebook, hey, which you can get for free from Draft Digital, but some people <laughs> feel you should go buy them. So, <laughs> uh, so Richard's back with another question uh, from a categorization perspective. Do we consider true travel stories as falling under nonfiction, or should we avoid that label? 
Well, if it's fiction, it goes under fiction. If it's nonfiction, it goes under nonfiction. So That's travel. As black I mean, and white as you get. As black and white, yes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, plenty of people fictionalize their travels, right? Whether they want to yeah. leave something out or exaggerate something. So you've got travel books that are based on this trip. Uh, so you can do that. Memoir often, uh, people who are writing memoirs often write a novel instead and say yeah. based on the life of. So clearly, I don't think you're ever going to have an instance where it can skirt the, you know, or uh, across the line, you know, I mean, it might skirt it a little, might, uh -huh. you might come close to fiction in your memoir. So uh, this is a thing. And I think Linda Joy taught me this uh, at, in a, one of her seminars about memoir writing is like, you can mess with the timelines but you can't mess with the facts yeah. because it's, yeah. it's difficult because so in American borders, I feel like the, the uh, narrative arc doesn't fall in a, the same place where it would with a novel. Right. So you have the narrative arc right. and you've got these things and everything culminates and disaster. And then your life has changed. Right. You have this life changing right. moment and then happy or not so happy ending. Right. So there's this arc. And mine comes sooner because all the disasters really kind of come in the first half of the book. Yeah. And then it's more about personal uh, reflection and all that in the second half. So if you, I, I mean, if I was a more skilled writer in 2004, when I wrote this or put together these blog posts, I might have been able to manipulate the timeline. So it followed the timeline of fiction, but I, I wouldn't make up stuff. Right. Uh, to make it more exciting. I would just manipulate yeah. that timeline. So that's still nonfiction. And you see that a lot with travel and memoir in the front of the book, it says, change some name to protect the innocent or the guilty. Um, and the, the, some of the time frames aren't exactly right, but what it is yeah. is true. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at time. We're going to have to wrap up, but uh, I, I really enjoyed having you on the uh, program. I'm so glad you could join me. Yeah. Oh, I'm here, Kevin. Here we are. <laughs> and be Please sure to check uh, Carla out at CarlaKing.com, selfpublishingbootcamp.com. Uh, check out the San Francisco Writers Conference. You know, just go to CarlaKing.com. You'll find probably all this stuff there. So hop over there. Uh, and while you're on the interwebs and probably sitting on YouTube right now and uh, uh, Facebook, of course, uh, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure you uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, and bookmark d2dlive.com so that you can be kept aware of whenever these uh, little spotlights are going. Right now, through the summer, we're looking at doing one of these every single day. So tune in tomorrow at noon central uh, for another D2D Spotlight. Carla King, thank you so much for being a part of the show yet thank again. You. Thank you. Again. Mr. Kevin. All right, everybody. Appreciate it. You got it. All right, everybody. See you all next time. That's it for this week's Self-Publishing Insiders with draft to digital Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com. <laughs>